Good afternoon and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM, online at RadioNorthland.org. And you can check us out too uh, live on uh, RadioNorthland.org. And you can also go in and get in on our archives. We have over six seasons of Wrestling Memories past for you to listen to absolutely free of charge for download. You can check that out. You can also check out our Facebook page, Wrestling Memories Then and Now. I'm Glenn Broggett uh, with Mike McCurdy, the grizzled veteran Mike McCurdy down in uh, the deep, deep, uh, great state of uh, Texas. And uh, Mike, uh, you have uh, you've booked uh, somebody from from the Texas territory uh, for today's edition of the program. So let's uh, let's let you kind of take over and, and carry it for us. Uh, and I'll, I'll chime in from time to time as we learn about our guest today. Um, I'd be more than happy to do that. But first, Glenn, if you don't mind, I would like to uh, say a little something here about um, someone who we just lost, not including Vader. We will talk about Vader um, later on today's show, but I would like to send out our condolences on speaking on behalf of wrestling memories. Then and now, um, Morgan dollar, the former executive vice president of the cauliflower alley club, his wife, Annette passed away of a heart attack just a few days ago, Tuesday morning. So I've talked with Morgan and I told him we'd like to dedicate this week's episode of wrestling memories. Then and now, in her memory, because when you lose someone like that, even if it's just wrestling as family, and if someone loses a family member, everybody feels for that person. We're family. We lost a family member. Um, like I said, we also lost uh, Big Van Vader this week, too, so we'll be talking about that. But I would like to dedicate this show in her memory this week. She was a wonderful woman. Awesome. She will be missed. And Morgan, our thoughts are out for you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's just a very, very sad time, and our, our sympathies are, are with uh, Morgan uh, and, and, and the extended members of the family. But Mike, uh, let's let's dive right into our guest here this week, and I'm gonna let you kind of take over the reins. But uh, let's try to uh, lift up the spirits here and uh, talk about wrestling and share oh, yes, some wrestling memories. That's right. We are going to talk about wrestling memories this week. Um, our guest, this is a man I have recently met. I've been going to his shows recently. One of the top in the organizations here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area right now, just been going for the last few months. One of the shows you want to go see. He's a veteran of the ring, Dallas, Fort Worth. He wrestled in Memphis. He's wrestled in Louisiana. He is the owner and promoter of Dallas Championship Wrestling. Last night, Volume 6 at the Stagecoach Ballroom was an amazing show. New champion was crowned. Marty Zanoth Martinez from Lucha Underground was on the show. This man has a great product going on right now. I am happy to talk to him about his career and the build of Dallas Championship Wrestling. Our guest this week on Wrestling Memories is Mean Mike Tatum. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the, the invitation to, to be on this great show. I've got a great reputation. Well, thank you for joining us. I appreciate us. Uh, Mike, anything we can do. I'm going to just start off with the basic here for our listeners who may not know um, a little bit more about your career. Where did you get your start, and just kind of kind of give us a little bit of a background on okay. your career in the ring? Sure, uh, I got my start uh, in 1987 um, in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, I was trained by a guy named Skander Akbar, uh, Jack Victory, and, uh, and Kevin Von Erich um, at, at the Sportatorium. Actually, is where I cut my teeth. Uh, back in the uh, world class days and global, and then USWA, uh, you know. So then, the, in the early '90s, I, I, I headed out and I went down to Houston and 
wrestled uh, down in Houston and South Texas and Louisiana and started bring, then branched out to uh, uh, Memphis and got a little more uh, a little more road uh, road you know, wars going on, so I uh, made a few trips and you know uh, made some memories. Now you mentioned your training. You said you were trained by Skandar Akbar, Kevin Von Eric, legendary names, obviously in the state of Texas. Sure. What was it like to be trained with Skandar Akbar? Because I never had a chance to meet the man, but I've heard so many great stories about him. Well, he was a great, great, great guy, and the best part about him was it was his stories. <laughs> You know, he, he worked forever. He wrestled back in the 50s and 60s. And, of course, the general was uh, a great, great, uh, you know, uh, great manager. Um, it, it was good. You know, he, he knew everybody. And a very patient guy. Um, so, you know, he, he taught me more the the psychological part of the, of the game. Um, of course, Kevin and Jack Victory, uh, the physical part and the moves and the holds and the uh, you know, kind of the ring mentality, uh, if you will, of of what to do in the ring and, and actually out of the ring. Uh, but Agbar was uh, it was great. He's great to travel with. We we uh, ran the roads a little bit and uh, great some great times. That uh, some stories I can't share, but uh, just like everybody who's ever traveled with him, he's just a great mentor. Now, you debuted in 87. Uh, you said it was in a world-class sportatorium. That was in the world-class wrestling association days, right before, or right probably right about the same time when they merged with the USWA. Jerry Garrett, I believe, had a portion of yeah. the program. And all that. What was it like yeah, it was during good. that time? Cause that... Go ahead. Well, you know, the world-class championship wrestling, WCCW, uh, and then... Um, it was uh, owned by Fritz Von Eric, and then uh, of course, then the USWA came in, and Jerry Jarrett and Jeff Jarrett uh, bought it uh, from Fritz, and um, so they brought in a lot of the uh, Tennessee guys, the, Nash the Memphis, not so much Memphis, but um, a lot of Nashville guys, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky. Uh, of course, a lot of AWA guys came down. Um, that was my first experience with Cactus Jack. And uh, gorgeous Gary Young, those guys came in. Um, so it was great getting to make, meet and work with those guys. But uh, and, as a matter of fact, I uh, <laughs> I wrestled Jeff Jarrett uh, when he was 18 years old. Um, he uh, he tagged with uh, Michael PSAs, and my and I was a rookie. Uh, but I I tagged with a guy named David Hinkle that uh, lives up here in Dallas, and um, so it was kind of neat. You know, you saw. Michael Hayes, of course, is a world-famous Freebird, you know, and, and seeing the, then this young kid, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett, he was only 18, um, but he was already, you know, his dad is dad, you know, but he was already well-trained and well-versed in what he needed to do, but um, that was pretty cool. Then right when USWA uh, came around, and then, um, of course, you know, the, in the transition after that to uh, the Global Wrestling Federation, Joe Pettacino. Right. Now, what was it like to work in the Sportatorium? Because the Sportatorium is one of those legendary venues right up there with the Chase, Madison Square. It's a legendary venue. There's so many stories about it. What were your personal experiences of the Sportatorium, and what do you remember most about it? Well, from for my, for my experience, um, you know, it was uh, no heat and no air conditioning. Uh, so it, was, it got very extreme uh, 
from one extreme to the other, depending on the time of year. Um, I remember um, at the very beginning when I was out there, you know, they were filming, um, you know, four, about three or four TV shows a week out of one, one Saturday show. Um, so we, I'd go there and I'd wrestle. We'd have a five-hour show. You know, there'd be 20-something matches. Uh, and, you know, they, they'd make TV tapings for the three or four different shows they had during the week. Cause, um, I think it's UPN 21 or whatever the, uh, the little uh, network television station they had up here. Uh, <clears throat> and it was kind of neat. You know, I'd wrestle as, uh, of course, Mike Stetson. Then I, I'd wrestle as the Punisher. Then I you know, wore a mask. And I was, you know, the assassin another time. And, you know, I, I had to bring three or four different outfits every week. Cause, um, you know, uh, at that time, um, you know, I, I was four different characters in, in a, a four-hour period. And uh, that was pretty neat. Um, one, one thing that, guys, you know, we don't ever see is, um, in the sportatorium, um, if, if you're, if you were to stand at the, stand in the ring and look up in the corner of the building, there's an area called the, uh, the crow's nest or the cage. And that's where, you know, the wrestlers uh, would go up and sit, uh, at the very top, uh, you know, before or after their matches or whatever. Um, you know, and I just remember, you know, cause I was, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't a kid, but I was in the business. I was a kid, you know, I was 25, 26 years old. And, um, you know, I'd be sitting up there and, and I'd be listening to the conversations with Percy Pringle, uh, up there was talking and, and, uh, junkyard dog would be there. Kamala, you know, um, just one time I was up there and I was listening to, um, um, Oh, uh, what's his name? Like one man gang was there and I was, just sitting there in Amherst listening to these stories. And it's pretty cool, you know, because at that point, you know, I was brand new, and all these guys are larger than life to me. And I'm sitting there in the same same area as they are, just listening to them talk about their you know, travels on the road. And uh, it's pretty cool, pretty neat. Um, you know, Sir? I was saying Gary Young definitely has some road stories. Yes, gorgeous, the gorgeous one. Yep, he does. Uh, I like uh, <clears throat> I like hanging out with him. I hung out with him a little bit at the uh, at the Hall of Fame a couple months ago. So uh, it was pretty neat, pretty neat. So, but yeah, um, some good stories. Uh, it was not good talking to Jeff Jarrett uh, when he was, you know, of course he was uh, his dad's uh, prodigy, you know. So he was being pushed as a future star, which which he definitely became. Um, so it was, it was neat being in that area and having access to people that most people, you know, don't have access to. Now, what got you into wrestling? Well, uh, oddly enough, um, I was never a wrestling fan, uh, growing up. Um, you know, I'm a big guy and, and um, you know, I'm a football player, you know, and, uh, oddly enough, I was, uh, um, I was in Amarillo uh, back in, in 86 um, for business. And I had to go there for the business I was in and fire a guy and hire another, hire somebody else. Well, when I went there to fire a guy, well, the new guy didn't didn't show up. So I had to stay there for three months and run the business. And uh, in the meantime, I um, 
what this is odd, odd, odd story. But in the meantime, I was watching uh, wrestling one night on TV, and uh, <clears throat> I'm a big believer in fate, by the way. And I was watching it and fell asleep and dreamt that I was a wrestler, you know. And I, I didn't didn't put too much you know faith in it, but I told this girl that I knew. She goes, "Hey, my my uncle uh, knows this wrestler." is an Amarillo and his name is Ricky Romero, rapid Ricky Romero. <clears throat> and, you know, so I ended up meeting him, you know, and like I said, I was never a wrestling fan, but, uh, you know, when, when being up here in Dallas, when, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of time people say, Oh dude, you, you, uh, you play football. Well, they didn't ask me that. They asked if I was a wrestler. I go, no, no, I'm a football player. You know, and I just, it seemed like they always assumed I was a wrestler. Then I had the dream, and I met Ricky Romero. Anyway, uh, you know, after working out with him and just not knowing anything about the business, and, I mean, we were really, really working out hard, you know, as, as a uh, person not knowing the wrestling business. And uh, I hired a guy. I'm, I drove back to Arlington. Uh, and I was unloading my car and next to me, the guy moved in next to me was Jack victory, you know, and he used to be, used to be here, you know? And so I'm thinking, man, it's another, uh, sign of fate, you know, some reason this is all this is happening. Well, lo and behold, his tag team partner was Hollywood, John Tatum, which is even, even more. You know, and I told I told my uh, my best friend Joe. I told him, he and his dad about it, and uh, they go, well, "That's funny." Well, and uh, I said, "Yeah, they want me to train with them." He said, "Well, how much is training to go to the little training school with Kevin and Jack?" And I told him, and he wrote me a check right there on the spot. So, I mean, I I, I believe in fate. There's a reason why you know I went to Amarillo. There's a reason why I met Ricky Romero. There's a reason why. I had that dream. Is there either that or it's just all a weird coincidence. And then, uh, when I, uh, <clears throat> Jack brought me into the sportatorium on a Saturday, uh, on a, like a Thursday afternoon. Now where I met Akbar, Skander Akbar and, uh, and Kevin and, uh, Akbar, uh, I was a bouncer by the way, at a, um, at a bar in Grand Prairie called Stetson's. Uh, it's a country Western bar. And, um, I was wearing my little satin red city and this is mid eighties. So I was wearing a red satin jacket that Stetson's on the back of it. And Akbar, when I went to work, he goes, what's your name kid? I said, Mike Tatum. He goes, no, not anymore. He goes, you can't use Tatum. I said, why? He goes, because we got a guy named Hollywood John Tatum. So he turned my shoulder around, you know, looked at my back and it had Stetson's on the back. He goes, your name's Mike Stetson now, kid. So, so that's, that's the birth of Mike Stetson. Um, so back in, you know, back, back in those days. And I, I kept that until I moved down to Houston and just took my, took my name back. So a lot of good, great memories. Who was your first match against? My very first match was against, uh, Steve do it to it Cox. Um, oh uh, on a Saturday morning, uh, you know, a piece from Tulsa. And, um, you know, he was, uh, I guess he was, Trained by, I think, Dr. Dan Steve Williams. Uh, but, yeah, Steve Cox at the Sportatorium. And uh, referee was Bronco Lubitsch. I remember just like it was yesterday. And, uh, you know, Steve, uh, was he, he was good. He's really, uh, um, 
demonstrative, you know, good, good, great crowd presence. And he just beat the living hell out of me. And then you wanted to go back and do it again and again. <laughs> again and again, three or four more, three more times the same day, you know. And back in that day uh, in Texas, you had to have a wrestling license. And I still got, I still got my, my first wrestling license. I got it framed up. But, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, Steve Cox. And then all oh, the next week I wrestled to Michael Hayes. And uh, then I wrestled Texas Jack. And then, uh, oh, um, um, oh, who was a Samoan SWAT team, you know, Fatu and Samu. And, um, and then, um, you know, I, uh, when I, I, I used to train in Houston with uh, Booker T and Stevie Ray. Because uh, we all, when I went to Houston, we, uh, you know, where I'm from, uh, we were going to the uh, Ivan Pusky uh, uh, training seminar as well, training uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, I used to, then we used to ride back and forth Houston to Dallas and, you know, wrestle three or four times and drive back. But, yeah, I, I you know, got to wrestle some, some pretty big names and who turned out to be big names, you know. They, they weren't big, I guess, when I started. You know, but they, uh, they they did well, and you know they used to wrestle with a kid. Uh, it's called a Lightning Kid, a real skinny little kid, and it turns out it's you know X Pac. <laughs> he uh, he really uh, rose up. Now, some of the names you've just mentioned just in the few minutes we've been talking, you know, Steve Cox, Cactus Jack, Michael Hayes, um, mm -hmm. you know, X Pac. You just now mentioned him. These are all guys. You know, obviously, Mick Foley is in the Hall of Fame. These are guys that went on, like you said, to have some stellar careers. But at that time, they were they were territory guys. Territories were still the thing a lot in the eighties this time. And Texas yeah. Jack was mainly yeah. a Texas guy. So was uh, Steve Cox, Texas Oklahoma. But what are some of the memories you have of these guys? Because it's such a laundry list of just legendary and Hall of Fame names. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, some memories I got. Uh, some specific ones. I mean, I, I was. Uh, in a, uh, in a dressing room one time, uh, and, uh, not just here, but I was at a WWF show. Uh, um, I'm sorry. It was a WC NWA show, uh, right before it became WCW. And, um, yeah, I'm sitting there in the dressing room with, uh, Ric Flair sitting there talking and you got, you know, six or seven wrestlers, uh, just sitting there right in a semicircle, listening to him hold court, you know, and he was, Ric Flair was talking about how, when he was uh, in a plane crash with Johnny Valentine. And uh, <clears throat> I'm sitting there, you know, we're all of us are on our knees, our elbows are on our knees, just, you know, very paying attention. And, you know, I'm sitting there, and next to me is Brian Pillman. You remember Flying Brian? Next, next to him is Cactus Jack. Then you got Michael Hayes, and you got Jimmy Garvin, all right there. And I'm like, oh, my God, why the, why the hell am I in this room? You know, uh, some great stories, you know. Some stories that, um, you know, uh, to talk about certain matches, but the stories about, you know, hijinks and ribbon that goes out on the road. You know, uh, when you're on the road, you know, 200 days a year, uh, as a lot of these guys are. Um, of course, I, I don't do that anymore. But, uh, I mean, you got to keep sane somehow and then uh, let, let off some steam somehow with, and not try not to get in too much trouble. But you want to make memories and um, – you know, we, we little things like you know gluing a guy's boots together, you know, or, or, or cutting his strings on his boots to where he couldn't tie his boots. 
you know, wrestling boots and, um, you know, just, and then, and, and soaking their, their, their uniform, their, their tights and, you know, and alcohol or something. So when they put them on, it smells and it's just certain, just, you know, harmless stuff like that, but it, it's pretty neat. Uh, Glenn, um, do you have any questions for Mike? Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to ask, uh, when were you ever a victim of any such ribs, and, and who was the, the, the person that, that got you uh, broken in as far as being ribbed? Well, uh, there's a gentleman, Chris Adams, um, you know, uh, the late Chris Adams. Um, he, w- he would always, uh, you know, uh, take my bag when I get to the, when I get to the show, you know, and of course I was what you call a jobber. You know, I was a, you know, I, w- I wasn't a star. I was a guy, guy putting everybody over and then, uh, I get in, you know, we kind of get in the habit of dressing at the same place, the same corner of the locker room every week. And every time I'd, I'd go there, you know, I, I just ha- end up next to him. Uh, and then, uh, he would, he would just take my stuff and put them in the shower you know, take my bag and, and, you know, hide it somewhere else and just simple stuff like that. But, you know, and then, but he, and he's the one actually, uh, my first pair of wrestling boots, uh, were given to me were, were hand-me-downs from Jack victory. And, uh, the last time I saw Chris, uh, Adams, uh, last time I ever spoke with him, he goes, Hey Stetson, uh, according to his British voice, he goes, man, let me use your boots. I, uh, I, you know, I left mine at home or whatever. Anyway, so I let him use my wrestling boots, and then he, then he, then he passed away. Mm-hmm. I never saw him again. Now, but uh, but yeah, he was he was good about you know uh, you know just messing with me, and of course all the the jobbers. We were all we were, we were all the nerds and the kids of the bunch, you know. Did you have any of the guys that you work with? Uh, well, they call the jobbers the enhancement guys. Did any of them get a, a, you know a little hot under the collar where it kind of went over the line, or did everybody just keep it keep it joking and keep it jovial? Is there anybody that kind of went over the line uh, and, and kind of pissed pissed somebody off, uh, literally? Well, there was a guy that I that I, that I broke in together. His name is uh, <clears throat> Marco Starr, um, and he was a uh, you know uh, he was up and comer. He got out of the business, but. Uh, he he would get mad because he would just get, you know, and he he got booked. You know, he was young. He looked like Steve Simpson, the the flowing hair, and the, uh, or Sean Simpson, whatever. He had the flowing hair, the big bodied, muscular build. But he always got put with um, guys that just beat the hell out of him. I mean, physically, just they're real heavy on him, and just didn't 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 let up. It just and then so he he got uh, one day in the dressing room. You know, he he was wrestling. Uh, Samoan SWAT team, Sam and, and uh, Sam and Fatu. And then uh, after the after the match, you know, things didn't go exactly how it went. And he just went off and just, you know, went off on, on, on Sam in the, in, the, in the dressing room. So, I said, you know, this kid's not going to be booked again. He's getting mad. You just can't get mad at, you know, what goes on in the ring. You know, sometimes things get out of hand, uh, don't go as planned, but you just, you know, you can't, you got to keep your composure. Uh, but he had a habit of uh, not keeping his composure. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned uh, this. just letting you know, just letting loose, you know. But you can't. You gotta have some sort of uh, some decorum. 
Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Samoan SWAT team. Uh, of course, they had a great run early on before they went to to the NWA WCW. They had a run in uh, world class. And a guy that was uh, th- their mouthpiece, it was another one of these uh, legendary guys we talk about behind the scenes and in the ring, a uh, very well-known, uh, we're talking about Freebird, Buddy Roberts. Did you ever cross paths with, with Buddy when you were down uh, working in Texas? Uh, no, other than uh, seeing him in the dressing room, uh, he was... Uh uh, he was already he and uh, the, the the three the the free birds were already kind of solo by then. But um, you know, I I just saw him in the dressing room. I didn't have any any connection with him really. But uh, I did have a relationship with Gordy and Michael Hayes. And, um, but uh, but Buddy, now he was. Uh, we, we didn't have too much interaction. Mm-hmm. And what was sort of interaction? What was life like? Uh, you know, being well, having known you know Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy. You said you were, you were more associated with them than more say than than Buddy. But could you, well, talk about uh, you know just some of your memories. Uh, you know, not too many, but just enough uh, of uh, Gordy and Hayes at that time. Yeah, Gordy. You know, he was so huge, big, big guy, and uh, he was just uh, you know country as country can get. You know. And uh, just a good sense of humor, good, uh, a good-hearted guy. And Michael Hayes, um, you know, he, of course, he he has, uh, you know, he, he's right in the middle of the Bad Street USA days, and uh, he was uh, very, very cocky, but he was a uh, great sense of humor, and he was he was a he was a partier, wasn't afraid to throw it at Jack Daniels at all. <laughs> and um, but you know, we used to, I used to go out and hang out a little bit. There was a bar in Arlington. Uh, I, mean, I can't think of the name of it now, but we'd go there um, on uh, Friday nights and Saturday nights and hang out. And the, the big deal was, uh, if you're, you're a wrestler, you got to drink, you know, free or cheap or something. So of course, you know, they didn't know me from Adam, but I hung out. I hung around with guys like that, so I got to drink free. And you know, uh, uh, this one night I was at a party, and this is probably my my best best memory of uh, of Hayes and, and Gordy. Uh, but I was at a, uh, we were at a, you know, party doing something. I don't know. It got late and we we're all out of, um, basically all out of beer. And, uh, Michael Hayes says, Hey, uh, Stetson, uh, man, fix me a drink. All right. So, so I just, I just emptied every bottle they had in there into one drink and, uh, <laughs> broke toward over ice and, and gave it to Hayes. And, and, you know, he, he was trying to be nice and, but, but he almost threw up because it was the nastiest drink you ever want to try in your life. He goes, oh, man, that's, that's, uh, that's good. Thanks. <laughs> and it was just funny. I mean, of course, it was the uh, mid-'80s and everything else went, too. But it was uh, amazing. I like Mike. I saw him uh, you know, a few years later uh, when, he went, when he was in the, the WCW. Then I, uh, I saw him uh, when he was uh, – of course, he works for New York now, Doc Dexter. Um, uh, he, he runs, I think he's in the creative department for, uh, for Vance right now. Mm-hmm. He's doing well. Well, what about Gary Hart? You talked about Skander Akbar. Was uh, Gary Hart around much, uh, when you were, uh, kind of making your way through in the ring? No, Playboy Gary Hart, he was already, uh, he was already, uh, you know, he, he was running his Texas wrestling, um, promotion. And, uh, so he was already, you know, when I, when I was working with Akbar and Kevin and Jack, uh, Gary Hart was already um, not in the world class picture. So Eric Embry was gone by then, or did you have any anything working with him? Well, Eric Eric was uh, was the main. You know, he was the uh, part of creative uh, for there. Eric Embry was there, mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to remember Eric um, and a guy named Cowboy Tony Falk um, was there, uh, but Eric, Eric was there, and he was, you know, he was a champ for a while, and he he was uh, he was doing a lot of matchmaking for Agbar, and um, but yeah, he uh, Eric is a great wrestling mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I just I don't know where he is today. Uh, I want to talk, you know, you, you touched on it uh, just a little bit uh, in reference uh, to your career uh, as having spent some time uh, with Harlem Heat or the guys uh, that eventually became the Harlem Heat. Of course, they were the Ebony Experience, but working uh, and, and, and getting trained under the tutelage of Ivan Putsky. Uh, what was your experiences uh, working or having work under Putsky? And also, uh, what do you remember of those guys early on who were who were destined for greatness because they ended up, of course, uh, making it to Dallas and then ending up in WCW? Right, right. Well, when we... Uh you know, I was doing the, the Dallas thing, you know, doing jobs, you know, as I'd say. But, and then when I, when I met them, I had already broken in, but I was still training. And they were going through training with, with Ivan Pusky and Scott Casey. Um, and, of course, you know, when I uh, – I did not realize how small or short Ivan Pusky was. And, of course, you know, he's a bit larger than life on TV, you know big old Polish hammer, but he was, you know, when, by the time I saw him, he was already in his sixties and, uh, you know, and he was obviously built, uh, not fat anymore. Uh, but yeah, I worked with him several times. It was good. But, but, uh, Booker T, he, he wrestled as a GI bro when I met him. He was a, you know, a GI Joe, but he's a black guy. So he called it GI bro. Um, and Stevie Ray was a super collider. Um, as a matter of fact, Stevie and I were a tag team, uh, had, had a tag team together. I was his first tag team partner. Um, we were, were uh, it was, uh, me and Mike, Mike, the body Tatum. This was my gimmick back then for a little while. Mike, the body Tatum, and then super Clotter, And our tag team was called body and soul. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty neat. We were laughing about it, uh, at the, um, uh, he, he came in and did a seminar for us, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were laughing about that. But uh, but Junior, uh, Junior uh, Booker T, you know he he's always had the great moves. He's less, a lot more athletic than Stevie Ray is. And um, but they they caught on. They and then um, you know they they just they when they caught heat, they caught the Harlem Heat literally. Um, they just it just they exploded, you know. And then uh, seeing that they had never tag team. Uh, you know, together at all until they got to to uh, to Dallas. You know, they were always indivi- individual wrestlers. Um, and then when they got there, you know, Aguar and uh, put them put them together. Um, so, which is a, obviously a great move because it, it's worked out. So, Harlem Heat, everything experience, and just just it was a natural click. And you know, Steve uh, Stevie was the big brute, the brute strong one. And then, uh, of course, Booker T had the, the moves and the spinneroni, uh, which you know, always went home with that. So it was good. Oh, yeah. I remember. But, uh, yeah, I like those guys. I'm, I'm proud to call them my friends. 
remember many years of, of watching those guys uh, develop uh, on Global uh, when it was on ESPN. And, of course, Global uh, had a great time slot for a while. And that was a time slot that was inherited from the USWA, which was inherited from world class. Now, you've seen kind of the sea changes of what happened there uh, in, in Texas when uh, US world class became USWA. But what was it like uh, for the for the global run uh, with guys like with, with the Joe Pettacino and his uh, co- you know crew coming into Dallas after so many years, of course, of having the Von Erichs and then for a while Jerry Jarrett's company. Right. Well, Joe Pettacino, you know, he and Bonnie Blackstone, well, they're still married, uh, live in Florida now, but um, they, uh, you know, they they brought their 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 um, their brand of, of wrestling in. Of course, they you know they use their local guys, but they still brought. A lot of guys in, a lot of, uh, um, you know, Memphis guys um, started bringing guys in from, from everywhere. Um, I I personally, um, you know, wasn't involved, of course, at all in any of the the angles or uh, the, uh, the storylines or anything. But uh, they seem to have, uh, you know, I don't know what happened with the money and the, the, uh, the TV ratings or the TV contracts or whatever. But I, I thought Global had a good thing going. I mean, I was getting a... I was getting a push, you know, they'd start putting me on their, in their programs and, you know, and uh, put me on TV and put my name on the, on the, on the, on the, uh, the marquee outside one time. And I thought, Hey man, this is going the right direction. The next thing I know is they're shutting it down, you know? So, uh, but you know, Joe was really way behind the scenes. And, uh, of course, Bonnie was the, basically the voice in the face of, of global. And then in the aftermath, I mean, uh, for for Dallas, when when Global faded away, uh, uh, pro wrestling has existed, but that was must have been quite of a, a bit of a of a. I guess, uh, you know, a bit of a rattling, I guess, for the scene down there, you know, especially since, you know, t- 10 years previous, you had uh, the Von Erichs and, and, and World Class Championship Wrestling. You had other companies, too, that started to prosper. But around the early 90s, things were starting to kind of look dim. What was the what, like? What was the scene like and how did it start evolving back again to where it is today as far as uh, getting a good, healthy scene again in Texas, pro wrestling wise? Right. Uh, well, I did. uh it did basically, you know, just die out, you know. Um, uh, but, you know, and, and of course, Dallas has always been a hotbed, and Von Erichs were, you know, this might have been Hollywood for those guys, you know, because they were everywhere. Um, so, but then down in Houston, you know, there was one one wrestling company, you know, and then there were two and where I was. And in Dallas, there were, oh, you had uh, NAWA, which is Killer Tim Brooks, used to have that place. Um, and then, you know, one or two little here now, now there's, there's 10 wrestling companies up in Dallas, you know, Dallas Fort Worth area. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's coming back, definitely coming back. You know, my deal is, you know, I started my company, uh, last October and I had no business starting a wrestling company at all. But, um, the way I felt though, that, you know, I'm, I, I'm the only guy, only owner out here who actually wrestled and worked in this auditorium that actually had the experience. And, you know, I want to bring, you know, the old sportatorium type mentality, wrestling mentality. I want to bring it back, you know, uh, Hey, you know, nothing wrong with, uh, you know, uh, Vince McMahon, um, you know, type of Hollywood WWF stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I like the old world class stuff, you know, I want, and I want to bring that old school stuff back. 
So I said, you know what? I went ahead and started up DCW, uh, Dallas Championship Wrestling. Uh, made all the applications to get the trademarks and LLCs, and and uh, I contacted uh, you know my booker, which is uh, Chad Jones, and uh, and uh, I said, you know, I, I need to make something happen. You know, I'm tired of tired of watching everybody else uh, do it. You know, um, you know, I can't complain about. Uh, being a watered-down product, if I don't, you know, if I don't do something about it, so I figured I'd take my experience, and you know what? Maybe some people maybe remember me, some maybe maybe not. And, and so far, you know, we've had uh, we just finished our seventh show last night, and uh, it's getting bigger and better every time, and, and uh, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, you know what? One of the guys, guys like Michael McCurdy coming around. Yeah, I was just going to say the segue was perfectly to bring it back over to uh, my co-host because he was actually uh, in attendance and is uh, a booster and a big fan of what you've been doing down there. So, Mike, uh, you have a definitely a better perspective than I do about some of the great stuff uh, that's been going on down there with Mike Tatum and his pro wrestling company. Well, Mike, what I'd like to talk about, first off, before I actually go into a question, I would like to thank you, Mike, Um I came in to watch on DCW Volume 3, so I came in a couple months ago. You did not know me from Adam, but you welcomed me in. I'm very happy to be part of uh, DCW, and it's an amazing product. But what I'd like to talk about a little bit right now is just kind of the, kind of like what you said, the evolution, you know, because obviously you've built a following, but how has it evolved from the first show up until what we saw last night? Because last night you had Lucha Underground uh, star, Marty Martinez in, you had, you had Stevie Ray to seminar at your last show, um, back in grapevine. So you're doing something right because you're getting in some great names. What has the evolution of, uh, Dallas championship wrestling been so far? Well, it's, it's been pretty exciting. You know, our first show was, you know, uh, in February and it's just, you know, you just use your local guys, you know, it's, which, you know, just the guys we use, um, you know, they work for, you know, seven other companies, you know, um, and, uh, the idea is, you know, you want to bring somebody in, somebody that somebody, you're not used to seeing them, you know, you say, well, why would I, you know, pay $20 to come over this show when I can, I've seen the guy wrestle 10 times, you know? Uh, so now I try to get, you know, I can bring in Stevie Ray. I brought in Anthony Henry from, from Atlanta, uh, James Drake, you know, Marty, Marty, uh, Marty the Moth, you know, and um, so we'll be bringing in, uh, you know, more guys as, as well. So just to give people, you know, some not the same old thing. And uh, I believe that we got some good storylines. Um, you know, the the guys we use, we, we you know, we're we're selective on who we're using. You know, just because you call yourself a pro wrestler doesn't make you a pro wrestler. And, you know, <clears throat> I want people to come to my show, feel good about the fact that I'm charging them $20 to get in, and not complain about it, and feel they got a deal, and, and be excited, and then, you know, to, to email me, because I'm, I'm totally accessible to, all, to everybody, to email me or get on Facebook or something to say, hey, guys, this positive thing, we like it, thank you very much. You know, I'll take criticism, I give me... You know, um, you know, I announced last night before the show, we had a pre-show meeting, you know, and I say, guys, listen, I'll tell you, 
give me give me your ideas. If you see something that you like, tell me and we'll keep doing it. If you see something that you, you don't like, tell me and I'll see about stopping doing it. You know, um, you know, I, it's, it, yes, I am the owner. I'm the sole owner. It's my business. But I'm not closed-minded. I take advice from uh, guys like, you know, Randy Wayne and Andy Dalton, JT Lamata, guys that have been around the business and are successful in the, in the, in the business, you know. Uh, you know, I talked to Marty, Marty Moth last night after the show, and he, and he was very much impressed. He said he wants to come back, you know, which is great. It makes me feel good. And, uh, you know, I, I have not heard one negative thing about DCW since I started. Now, I guess we're doing something right, or maybe they're not talking. Maybe they're saying something negative, but they're not saying it to me. But seriously, I haven't heard anything negative. And, uh, you know, until I do, I'm going to keep moving forward at the rate I'm moving forward. You know, next month we got uh, got four shows in July. You know, that's, that's, you know, uh, that's a little too much uh, for me just because of the scheduling and things like that. But, you know, we want to have between two and three shows every month. And, uh, but I'm wanting to be quality shows, you know, and people to, to see somebody, you know, if you, if you guys, you know, I told, I told some people last night, you know, say, Hey, you know, loot your underground. Well, you know, reach out to somebody and, uh, who would you like to see come in here? You know, uh, you know, who, who would, you know, evolve guys, you know, Anthony Henry, somebody wanted to see them. We brought him in. You know, and not everybody's uh, accessible. You know, some people are out of my budget. You know, out of my you know my my reach. But you know, if we can bring them in, and you know, we can get people in the seats to 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 validate it, then by gosh, I'm I'm going to do that. You know, and and uh, you know, Chad Jones has done a great job. Uh, you know, being creative and uh, and booking this thing for us. So I'm really really excited to have him on board. One thing too, also, you're running um, the venue you ran in last night. It's a newer venue for you. Is the Stagecoach Ballroom, and the Stagecoach Ballroom has its own uh, wrestling history, and it's such a great venue for uh, for wrestling and all that. But can you tell us a little bit about the history of the Stagecoach Ballroom? Because that's where you know Killer Tim Brooks ran in that uh, building. Yeah, actually, I uh, I wrestled for Tim Brooks in that building in 1992. Uh, we used to run on Monday nights, and um, so I mean, yeah, I was I was right there wrestling then. Actually, I wrestled a guy named Kenny the Stinger that night um, years ago. Uh, so yeah, it, you know, they they were when I first approached them, you know, uh, you know, six months ago about uh, running. They were and it's it's the same ownership as it was back then. They go, yeah, man, let's just try to do that again. So they they're on board a hundred percent, you know. Um, so they want to do whatever they can do to help it be a success. Cause obviously if I'm successful, they're successful. And, um, so yeah, it's a great history. You know, I think it's a great venue for concerts and so forth. And, uh, you know, the sound in there, you know, you can have 30 people and it sounds like 130 people, you know, it's great acoustics, um, great, great staff and they're good, uh, you know, good, good, good business. So uh, I'm glad we got back in there. We're there every third Thursday of the month. We're in there for the next, uh, you know, for the next 12 months. You know, we got a, got a contract with them. So, um, pretty excited about that. You know, we got uh, uh, 16 shows booked right now. Um, 
between now and next uh, next June, uh, and that's just uh, just between two locations. Um, so we get the Elks Lodge as well. So in Grapevine. Now, one thing, people, uh, some of our listeners, I know Glenn might be, uh, you know, up in Minnesota. He doesn't know a lot about the talent base around here, but there is a huge talent base just here in the Dallas Port where there. You mentioned uh, J.C. Lamata, Randy Wayne, also Andy Dalton, but you've also got some of the younger up-and-coming guys. You've got Wesley Crane, who I think is amazing. You've got this new team, the impact players. We've got Barrett Brown. We've got it's such a hotbed of talent right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You know, how do you decide who you want, who's going to work? Because Wesley Crane, is that's, I found him, I saw him at DCW, that's the first time I've ever seen him. But with such an massive talent, how, as a promoter, can you pick and choose, I want to book this guy or use this guy? Because there's just, like I said, there's just so much good talent. Well, that's a good point, Michael. Uh, it's, uh, it's so much good talent. I mean, I, I I got, I got the advantage because people are constantly contacting us to come work for us. You know, uh, very seldom do we have to go seek people, you know, find people to work. I mean, so, okay, so, so what, what do we want to accomplish for having this tag team, this three-man uh, impact players? All right, well, they, you know, they're going to bring, bring in, how many people are they going to bring in, first of all, uh, to the seats? And then, uh, you know, they're up and coming. We don't want anybody that's, that's a slow, dragging on match. You know, you want to have a lot of attention, a lot of, uh, lot of action. And those three guys have, there's, there's a lot of action all the time with those three guys. Um, so, uh, you know, when, when we see somebody, uh, you know, for example, there's another guy who wrestled down in, uh, in Austin uh, and then uh, said, hey, man, we saw this guy down here. You got to look into him. Well, so we, we – we look into someone from another city, another promotion, and, uh, you know, somebody we, we don't readily hear of up here, you know, see if we can bring them in and just try them, you know. We have uh, eight, uh, see, nine companies here in Dallas for work. You got, you know, in Houston, in Houston, you got four wrestling companies that I know of, Austin, San Antonio, San Marcos, and uh, so there's a lot of, lot of talent to choose from. And if we, uh, you know, we got to see them. And then if we get, uh, you know, if we like what we see, we'll bring them back. If the money's right and, you know, um, you know, you know, you know, some, some promotions are better than others, obviously. Um, and that has to do with, um, uh, not with talent, of course, but with how you, how it's being run from the management, from me, ownership to the, uh, the guy who's booking the shows, the guys who's doing the creative, you know, how are people treated when they're, when they, when they're, when they're, when they're here, you know, um, there's a wrestling company that got bad reviews a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I'm not going to mention any names, but the, the venue said they didn't want them back because how the owner, promoter, whatever, how that he treated his employees. You know, just yelling at them. I mean, it's something as simple as that. You know, you treat people like you want to be treated, and then they'll reciprocate. And you treat them with respect. You treat them with uh, professional, you know, and uh, then, you know, they'll want to come back and wrestle for you. They want to come back and work. Uh, and, and if the money's right, the money's right. And you know what? It's beneficial for everybody. 
Are there any plans like down the road? Because one of the aspects of professional wrestling is there's a lot of schools around here, and you have had um, some students from various academies around here on your shows. Um, is there any plans in the works of eventually maybe a DCW school where you might start to build your own stars? Because I know a lot of the groups around here, they try to do some of that as well. Well, yeah, there, there's been some thought about it. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, what I probably more have to do is, is have a gym uh, to where, you know, maybe not so much the school, but if, um, but if someone, uh, you know, a place to, for the guys to work out, uh, you know, get some people, if, you know, for example, Marty Moss in town, you know, uh, if he needs to go somewhere and, and work out again, provide a place like that. You know, not so much at school because uh, Lou Lamont uh, Williams does a great job as DFW Academy. He does, you know, he's got this school. He's, it's the best thing going around as far as I know. And uh, so, um, you know, I, yes, I'd like to have my own talent, but you know, the days of having exclusive talent is, is long gone, you know. So, uh, um, you know, if they can train somewhere else, you know, there's no reason why you can't come train here too, but I don't think I'll be, you know, starting a school, but I will be trying to open a gym or, or maybe we can have some house shows, you know, something that holds, you know, a hundred people or so, and maybe a good place. If you got good, good, uh, acoustics or something, maybe, you know, do a little video or something, but, uh, uh I don't think we're going to be open a school, uh, right away. You got, of course, you got to find a venue and, you know, get uh, get the right rental. You know. All right. Well, I'm going to pass this over to Glenn now because I realize by the the timekeeper's clock we're coming close to the end of our hour here. So I'm going to pass it over to Glenn if he's got any more questions. Well, I'm just going to wrap it up here uh, by by thanking uh, Mr. Mike Tatum for coming on the program today and uh, yeah, learning your story, learning what you're doing at the development of uh, the ever continuing uh, development and growth of uh, Texas's pro wrestling. Uh, and uh, I want to ask, uh, well, before we go, do you have anything else you would like to say as far as passing along information for people to get in contact with you? Anything? The floor is yours, basically. Uh, before we wrap up today. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, be sure and check out. Uh uh, DallasChampionshipWrestling.com, uh, uh, and then uh, especially go and click the, at the top of the web page. You go to the social media page, and then go down to YouTube and get on our uh, YouTube channel uh, and subscribe uh, because we are we're we're, uh, we're getting pretty a lot of a lot of subscribers really fast. And if you do that, then every every video we do. Every hype video, every highlight video, uh, you'll get a link. You'll get a, you'll, if you subscribe, you'll get a ding when it's, uh, when it's uploaded. And that way you'll be able to see it. But, uh, Facebook, I'm at, uh, Mean Mike Tatum, uh, at Facebook.com. Uh, and then Dallas Championship Wrestling, uh, is, is, is a page of, uh, Mean Mike Tatum. Um, so we have the Twitter, we're on Instagram. Uh, but if you'd follow that and, Check out the website page and see where um, see where we got events coming up. Where we're events are down to Houston here in the next few months, uh, and try to go outside of Dallas a little bit and uh, kind of keep us up and see where we're going to be. And you'll have uh, access to uh, to our stars. And uh, there's a merchandise store there. You can buy shirts and hats and pictures. Uh, in our video, we re- we released our DCW Volume Five. 
um, uh, Blu-ray video yesterday, and uh, already having success, some success on it, so pretty excited about that. Well, it's time for us I to... appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on today and uh, and uh, talk about my, about my business. I appreciate it. Absolutely. The door's always open for uh, another visit sometime down the line uh, to promote uh, and just your, your wonderful pro wrestling down there. Uh, well, it's time for us to get going. Uh, for Mean Mike Tatum, the grizzled veteran Michael McCurdy, I'm Glenn Broggett. This has been Wrestling Memories Then and Now.